Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So, casting our mind back about five months when the United Nations opened a human rights office here in Seoul to keep an eye on North Korea. It marked the uh, beginning of fear speculation as to how the world would be able to eventually clamp down on the stories of atrocities which continue to, to reach us about life in the North. We have in the studio right now Ms. Senior Paulson, representative of the United Nations Human Rights Office in Seoul. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming into the studio through all this snow that's still falling outside, <laughs> Thank the flurries. You. can barely see it in the darkness that seems to have descended back upon us. But here we are um, this morning, reeling from this devastating news of another shooting in the US. Life in North Korea doesn't seem to be all that wonderful. How do you stay positive when you're looking at all these uh, stories, Ms. Paulson? Well, Seoul is a wonderful place to be in. So, um, you know, it, it's, of course, when you when you hear of all these things going on in, in other parts of the world, um, it, it's just a, a way to continue, I suppose, the work we are, we're doing. Yeah, well, it's an important job as well. Can you just uh, kind of spell out for us the importance of having an office here in Seoul, so close to North Korea? Sure. Um, well... The importance of having the office here in Seoul is, is that uh, we're now able to, to pay more attention to what's going on in North Korea and, and to, to in a way, uh, understand better the, the dynamics of, of what's going on also in the region. The, the thing is that uh, this is the first time for the UN to, to have a field office exclusively dedicated to Pyongyang's state-perpetrated violations of human rights. That is the line we so often hear. But we can't get a, a clear idea of what's going on in the ground, it would appear. I mean, are you having to build this up mostly through um, defector testimony, satellite imagery, that sort of thing? Um, we use a variety of, of sources for our information. And, and I think what's important to, to consider is that our work is a, a follow-up or a continuation of, of work that was done last year in the Commission of Inquiry um, report that came out um, in 2014. That report uh, determined or, 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 or stated that there were crimes against humanity being committed and, and indeed are still being committed in the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. And so, based on that, there was a decision to set up, up this office, a, a, deci a decision that came from me member states of the Human Rights Council. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, it, it can at times be difficult to, to understand what's going on inside North Korea, but at the same time, we also have a, a solid foundation to, to work on. I guess you must be doing something right when North Korea doesn't like what you're doing. And, and I know Pyongyang was strongly opposed to the opening of this office. Does, does that, in a way, spur you on further? No, I think we were pretty motivated before that language came out. Um, but, um, you know, regardless of, of that language, the North Korea is, is also a member state of the United Nations, so we try to work with them whenever we can and whenever there is a possibility to do that. Um, 
one one thing that is often not mentioned is that uh, while this rhetoric comes out, sometimes there are also there's also progress made. Um, and, and those two things have to, in a way, you know, the, the monitoring and, and the understanding of, of the violations going on um, can be addressed uh, through, you know, accountability processes, of course, but, but also through uh, technical cooperation and, and working in mm. ways to promote human rights inside North Korea, if and when that is possible. It's, it might seem surprising that part of the job of of tackling North Korea's human rights is actually raising awareness of it within South Korea. Are you kind of surprised at how little it's discussed here? Uh, not surprised. I think one one thing that that has been uh, very eye-opening to me has has been the very strong work that's been done by civil society organizations in North Korea some of these organizations have been working for 20 years and, and 10 years and and you know in, in ways that really surpasses anything the United Nations uh, can do but also work that's really a foundation for where, where we can add value so so I think that work should be should be noted and it's important to, to emphasize the importance of that work what the United Nations can do is is bring this more to the the international attention as well and and put uh, the situation in North Korea in a straight human rights framework mm. the thing is we can build up resolutions we can even impose sanctions if, if we can't get into North Korea that that's the frontier that holds us back from taking any firm action and actually coming to the rescue of these people who are suffering. I mean, it, it, that's a rather bleak assessment, I must confess, but that's the reality, isn't it? That's that's part of the reality, yes. Uh, and it is, of course, would, would we know more if, if we had full access and, and were able to, to be based in Pyongyang? Yes, of course, we would, we would know more. Um, however, there are... A number of humanitarian actors, including United Nations agencies, working uh, very successfully within North Korea, uh, and and who are able to deliver, you know, life-saving humanitarian assistance. Yeah, I mean, it's also, <laughs> it, I mean, it's also on the on that other level of the discussion in terms of what action can realistically be taken, even if you were in Pyongyang with an office, uh, but. The special rapporteur on the situation of human rights in North Korea, Marzuki Darisman, visited this country recently. He, we, we had this press conference. Um, he raised concerns um, about an extradition treaty signed between Russia and North Korea, I understand. Can you tell us a bit more about that and also about d just generally what, what came out of this visit? Um, yeah, I, I think the issue of, of people trying to, to leave North Korea is, is of course one that creates a lot of violations and, and challenges and you know has its root in restrictions on, on freedom of movement and, and other human rights violations that are happening in North Korea so what we insist on is that before anyone is, is returned that there is a proper assessment of, of neighboring countries by uh, you know obligations in relation to to human rights and, and international refugee law, that means you shouldn't 
put people in a situation where they are brought back to places where they, for example, might face imprisonment or torture um, or their life might be at risk. Mm. Uh, in terms of the special rapporteur's visit more broadly, he emphasized again that nothing has changed that in terms of the human rights situation in the in North Korea and called again upon the need for accountability for those who commit uh, crimes against humanity and, and other grave human rights violations. Yeah, it does seem that that's where you can make huge inroads is in the life of, of those who are escaping or who have escaped North Korea, when, when the hell can go on in some cases. Before we point the finger too sharply at Russia, I just want to read for the benefit of our listeners this news that I saw in the last few hours. A U.S. Senator, uh, Rand Paul, in the United States, uh, introducing a bill calling for a temporary moratorium on accepting refugees from high-risk countries that include North Korea and Syria, by the way. But, I mean, that, that's not exactly a positive step either, is it, from the U.S. perspective? Um, has the situation gotten worse, do you think, or better for North Korean refugees? I think it's difficult to talk about worse or better. I, I think what what is clear is that the situation for those trying to leave is, is still a very tenuous one. They face a, a difficult journey and a dangerous one before they reach the Republic of, of Korea or their other destinations, as they might be. Coming back to a, a fundamental solution, I, I, I talked about my own scepticism about sanctions before. I mean, is there a strong alternative to that, to, to, to place further pressure directly on North Korea? I think what we are doing now is, is trying to work through multiple fronts. So one of them is, is looking at what's happening through our monitoring work. Um, one of it, one of the ways is, is advocacy and, and outreach. So talking to actors inside North Korea, uh, sorry, in, in, in South Korea. Yes of course, and and also the international community and, and bringing it to that level, in, for example, in different United Nations forums. Um, and um, on top of that, then engaging in a, in a dialogue as, as far as is possible with North Korea on the international human rights commitments that they have made voluntarily. Yeah. It's that trust issue, isn't it? Um, it's a trust that also involves China too. And uh, we wish you all the best with your work in this complicated web. We'll be watching closely. I do hope maybe that that slip of the tongue reveals something that you're not allowed to talk about, although I think that's far too wishful thinking on yeah, my no, part. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> that wasn't it. It would be great, though, if there were some sort of communications going on that we weren't aware of. We wish you all the best. Senior Poulsen, Thank uh, you with your much. work here. Senior Poulsen from the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights in Seoul. You can have your say still on this by text pound or sharp 1013 for 51 per message. Any words of encouragement that you'd like to offer or you can email us efmthismorning at gmail.com.